0: Hello everybody. Today I want to talk about Liz Cheney and the labor shortage that our nation is currently undergoing. Uh, But before I get into that, I want to share a wonderful video that I just found. Now, you may have seen this. Um, I'm talking, of course, about the woke CIA ad that's sort of making the rounds. Um, So if you're not aware, the CIA basically put out a video, like a PSA, I guess, showing how uh, intersectional they are, how in touch they are with, you know, the modern, sensibilities and of course the whole thing is basically like a thinly veiled attempt to sort of recruit millennials The ad uses a lot of like sort of woke language and you know just the sort of terms you'd more expect to see maybe on like a college campus rather than uh, one of the most brutal intelligence organizations in the world who's uh, responsible for a lot of the horrible stuff of the 20th century so Um, without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and roll the clip.
1: When I was 17, I quoted Zora Neale Hurston's How It Feels to Be Colored Me in my college application essay. The line that spoke to me stated simply, I am not tragically colored. There is no sorrow dammed up in my soul nor lurking behind my eyes. I do not mind at all. At 17, I had no idea what life would bring, but Sora's sentiment articulated so beautifully how I felt as a daughter of immigrants then and now. Nothing about me was or is tragic. I am perfectly made. I can wax eloquent on complex legal issues in English while also belting Guayaquil de mis amores in Spanish. I can
0: overthrow governments in Latin America while also tweeting about how it's ableist to make fun of Joe Biden for messing up his speeches because actually he has a stutter.
1: I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Hey, listen, uh, it's nothing that a little MKUltra can't fix. Have the boys down in Langley poke through your brain. I'm sure they can, uh, I'm sure they can get you right. Just imagining them like waterboarding some dude, but also like clutching you know, one of those stress balls in their other hand because they have anxiety.
1: I did not sneak into CIA.
0: But I did sneak into a uh, Central American country that elected a socialist leader.
1: I earned my way in, and I earned my way up the ranks of this organization.
0: By doing what? (laughs) I don't know if you should be bragging about that. I'm sure you gotta do some pretty sick stuff to uh, move your way
1: up in the CIA, bro. And sometimes I struggle. I struggle feeling like I could do more, be more to my two sons. And I struggle leaving the office when I feel there's so much more to do. I used to struggle with imposter syndrome.
0: (laughs) No, dude. CIA agents have imposter syndrome. A CIA agent is sus.
1: I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy.
0: Oh yeah, and what is the space you occupy? Like an offshore oil rig that's being used as like a black site to torture people. So yeah, I just wanted to, you know, disintegrate your brain a little bit there by uh, showing you that because you know I saw it, so now you have to see it. Or listen to it, I guess. But uh, anyway, I just think it's awesome that the CIA is now trying to uh, recruit people who have roots in the countries that it's worked to like destabilize and uh, overthrow for decades, basically. Like obviously, all the like diversity language and stuff. Like that's not the bad part. It's just funny to like see probably one of the most evil organizations on earth using the language of, like, mental health matters. But, you know, I guess, like, they got to appeal to uh, the people they try and recruit from. And who is that? I mean, it's pretty much always, like, elite colleges and stuff. And those are how those people talk now. So that's how the CIA is going to be. I'm sure in, like, 20 years when they're trying to recruit Zoomers, it's going to be, like, I am epic and swag-pilled. I refuse to apologize for the space that I take up I am based anyway on to a little bit of more uh, sort of like heavy weightier topics Um, our nation is undergoing a little bit of a labor shortage right now particularly in like the service kind of fast food industry reading here from the New York Times it says as diners return restaurants face a new hurdle finding workers owners across the country report a shortage in help as rebounding businesses forced them to compete for a shrunken pool of applicants. So, I mean, yeah, it's pretty simple. Like, a lot of people are qualifying for unemployment insurance. And as a result of that, their sort of situation has changed. So, yeah, tragically, fast food places are not able to uh, find enough workers. I mean, frankly, I really can't understand why people wouldn't want to... uh, work a fast-food job where they're getting yelled at by customers all the time who didn't get their treats exactly right. They're masked up on their feet all day, and on top of that, they're like at risk for a virus in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, I really can't see why people wouldn't want wouldn't to wanna do that, wouldn't be interested in that. And so a lot of these articles are blaming unemployment insurance. But look, there's a simple solution here. Maybe pay the workers more. Supply and demand. If you're not able to get enough workers at a given quantity of pay, guess you got to raise the pay. Now, are they going to do this? No, they're just going to lobby states to sort of end unemployment insurance. It's interesting because like, because of some of the sort of COVID relief measures, it's sort of taken the boot off a lot of people's necks. And so when we see that, instead of our reaction being, wow, our jobs in our economy are kind of suck. They're not fulfilling to people, they don't pay well. Maybe we should reevaluate our economy. maybe we should restructure our economy. The response is press the boot tighter. Any like sense of security that people might have felt. okay, never mind. guess we got to take it back. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that it's particularly like fast food service jobs that are being hit with this shortage. Because those are like some of the worst jobs to work. And the reason is Americans are little tyrants, dude. Americans like love to lord over waiters and like fast food employees. It's so sick because a lot of these people, you know, even though they're living in the land of the free, home of the brave, they don't really feel too powerful, you know? They go to work, their boss tells them everything to do. They go home, their kids don't respect them, their marriage is falling apart, but hey, at least when you go to Hardee's, you get to boss around the guy taking your order, right? When you're sitting in IHOP, you get your own little personal slave in the form of a waiter. It's almost like the same psychological mechanism by which people become cops because they just really feel the need to exercise power over people. I honestly think that's one of the reasons that it's the fast food industry is being hit so hard is because those are the jobs where employees have to interact with customers and where employees are basically, yeah, have like a subservient relationship to customers and the customers feel like they get to boss around the employees and they really enjoy that, you know? There is like a certain uh, Karen psychology that enjoys just being able to order around like a waiter. Gives them a sense of superiority, you know? Makes them feel important. In even heavier news, there was a school shooting in Idaho in which a sixth grade girl injured three people. First of all, congrats, girl boss. Probably the youngest shooter we've had so far. But seriously, like, how can you look at this story and not think, something is deeply wrong with american society dude something is like incredibly insanely screwed up about our culture that a sixth grader is going to school and shooting her classmates i've talked about this before but i blame it on social alienation i don't think it's the guns Uh, we've had guns in america for a long time and you didn't used to see shootings like this as people become increasingly atomized as any sense of community sort of frays, and um, people really don't feel uh, socially connected to people around them and like the community at large uh, unfortunately we're gonna see more and more stuff like this I also think it's a result of a culture that promotes and basically glorifies violence on all fronts you can't have a culture that uh, wages war abroad And expect that not to reflect itself at home. I mean, think about it. This kid, this 6th grader, the U.S. has been at war her entire life. I mean, the U.S. has been at war my entire life. Um, When there's just that background noise of violence, right? And there's all these shootings. uh, You go out and you just see homeless people living on the street. Our government is constantly bombing and killing people overseas that's going to affect the psychology of a kid when you have a society that just treats human life like it's worthless yeah that's going to affect people but anyway speaking of uh speaking of violence and disputes there's a little bit of a controversy brewing in the republican party surrounding liz cheney a bunch of republicans are now attacking her for basically just saying that uh the election wasn't rigged and maybe trump just lost So this is really the situation the Republican Party is going to find itself in for the next four years uh, between people who are going to insist that Trump won and are basically just fully on the Trump train, full sort of like QAnon MAGA guys who fully drunk the Kool-Aid and the old traditional Republicans who just want to just want to passed some bipartisan policy to bomb the Middle East, dadgummit. And uh, hilariously, it seems like Liz Cheney is actually in the minority. Seems like the the Trump fringe is going to win, at least right now, and push the party even further right, if that's even possible. I don't know. It seems like the Republican Party's in a really tough spot because they sort of need like the Q people. That's like their base at this point, is like these hardcore you know, Q-drop reading weirdos, basically doing that shit they used to do in ancient China where they'd like crack turtle bones and then interpret the future based on the way the bones cracked. That's basically what Q is. But those people make up like a solid base of the Republican Party and you can't really risk pissing those people off. So probably what they're going to have to do is just wink and nod at those people, sort of like Trump did with the alt-right in 2016, I think like the Q weirdos are going to be the new um, the new core that Republicans are going to have to appeal to. And look, best of luck to them. You know, I'm sure when Ron DeSantis gets elected in 2024, he's going to uh, use the Emergency Broadcast System to send Q drops to every person's phone as soon as they come out. I can't wait for that. Anyway. Now that all that sort of current event stuff has been put to bed, I just wanted to spend some time talking about something that I've been thinking about lately, which is generations, and specifically how the generational psychology affects their sort of political worldviews. First and foremost, we got the boomers. Now, I think the boomer psychology and like political animator has to do with in a word, surplus. Boomers love to complain about like participation trophy culture, which is really stupid because they were the ones who raised millennials. They were the participation trophy instigators. Like, they're the ones who are responsible for this. But on another note, I think it's weird for them to say that because what was American society for a boomer other than a participation trophy? Like, Boomers were the last generation where you could reasonably expect to have, like, a decent life and, like, buy a house and have financial stability with nothing more than just a high school education. Like, boomers could just graduate high school, go work at a factory, and then have, like, a nice house in a suburban area with a picket fence and, you know, a car. And... Have one parent working and supporting the entire family that is unheard of today that sort of economic situation absolutely does not exist anymore and so the boomer psychology is basically just based on this surplus they inherited this just massive post-war boom and they've sort of just been riding that wave ever since that's why they view younger generations as like entitled and needy when they suggest that we change things because they just sort of expect everybody else to get the same deal they got. I think a lot of them really just don't understand that like things simply don't work the way they used to. Used to be you didn't really need a, a college education and those who did get a college education got it for pretty cheap. Today, a bachelor's degree is basically the equivalent of like a high school education in say the 50s or 60s. It's sort of just the bare minimum if you want to get a good paying job. So the boomer psychology is based on having everything delivered to them. Inheriting the post-war surplus. Now the millennial psychology, in my opinion, is distinct in that it is based on having everything promised to them, but then not delivered. I think this is a big reason why A lot of millennials are like very infantilized you know they just enjoy playing their switch and just like watching shows you know watching disney being very comfortable you know these are like the disney adults they just enjoy being very comfortable they've always got like some sort of media playing you know they're always watching shows always gaming always stimulating themselves Um, they need everything delivered to them and the reason that the millennial mind is so like infantilized is because it's almost like an attempt to go back to when things made sense that's why nostalgia is such a big thing for them is because they really feel the need to retreat to this world where the future was still bright and they could actually make something of themselves now because millennials realize they got screwed, they're a little bit more open to sort of leftist ideas, which is good. But the problem is they still got this idea of the old thing in their head, right? They still got the idea from their boomer parents of like, you can still do things this way, right? The old way. They have something in the back of their head that says, if we could just make the old thing work, Maybe I want that. Maybe I don't actually want change. Maybe I just want to get mine. And so, as long as they can be strung along by you know institutions, political parties, whatever it is, into thinking, hey, maybe the old maybe the old deal is still possible, right? Maybe I can get to that place that my parents had as long as they think oh, but maybe there's a chance I still can get it. Maybe I can reclaim the dream. They're not going to be able to commit. They're going to duck out at the critical moment because, well, I don't know, guys. Maybe we can still figure things out because they have to think that. Now, the Gen Z psychology is basically based on knowing the deal is bogus from the start. And I'm not trying to be Mr. like, oh, Gen Z is so tough, but like, When you think about the circumstances that most Gen Z kids were brought up in, um, it's not hard to see why sort of cynicism and and nihilism are so popular, right? When you're popping out of the womb right as the Twin Towers are falling, you're growing up, and uh, then the 2008 crash hits, There's a bunch of, there's like a series of shootings and terrorist attacks through your childhood. You're literally doing like mass shooter drills at school. How are you not supposed to think that the American dream is dead after you experience that, you know? So that's why anyone from Gen Z could easily see that the sort of boomer paradigm is just laughable and it's not possible anymore but also why the millennial sort of infantilization and retreat to childhood is stupid as well. Not that like everybody in Gen Z had horrible childhoods, just that like we were never really promised as much as the millennials were by the boomers. And to the extent that we sorta got the you can be whatever you wanna be talk, it was very half-assed. And again, I'm not trying to make out Gen Z to be like super woke or whatever, I think the main problem with Gen Z is that they're just stuck in this sort of uh, nihilist mindset because, yeah, you see all the problems in the world. You're like, okay, clearly the fairy tale we're being taught about how if you just work hard and put in the hours, you'll be rewarded is, is stupid, but nobody knows where to go from here because the boomer's story might be a fairy tale, but at least they knew how to tell stories. Gen Z is so thoroughly divorced from anything, like, real or sincere that I think it's going to be hard to shake people out of apathy if something that might actually have a shot at changing things rolls around. Now, as as far as Gen X goes, I really don't know how to fit them in here. I think the story of Gen X, you know, being brought up in the 80s mainly has to do with, um, globalization. Because that was sort of the era where, um... After the 70s, which was like sort of a hard transition period from the post war boomer dream to this new multi national economy, the 80s was almost sort of an era of, of promise because the economy was doing well. And so the Gen X mindset is almost like this weird failed prototype of like, hey, maybe we can make this new thing work. Like rebelliousness and uniqueness and authenticity among all is prized by the Gen Xer. Gen Xers need all their shit to be authentic. And I think that speaks to the fact that like, yeah, you have this roaring economy, right? But everything's shipped off overseas. Everything is now increasingly, especially in the 80s, increasingly artificial, increasingly removed from reality. And weirdly enough, I think sort of the vaporwave aesthetic captures this perfectly. Because what is vaporwave other than like an empty mall with that music playing over the loudspeakers? That's what vaporwave is to me. It's consumerism with no soul. So, as everything's shipped off, everything's now made out of plastic and it's fake, right? Everything is um, made in China. It's not like there's anything local anymore. There's no more like local steel mill. The economy is now completely sort of abstracted and everybody has some sort of like office job rather than like working with their hands, making something tangible. Everything is sort of melting into air, right? Everything is artificial. Everything is sort of pulling back. All the muscle dudes like the Arnold Schwarzeneggers, they're all on steroids. Everything is completely fake and plastic and airbrushed, right? And so the Gen X counter-response is sort of to grasp onto anything real, anything authentic, anything true. And that's why they're so obsessed with authenticity because they they need to cling to something, anything that's actually real. And that's why the sort of 80s rebel loner archetype is so strong is because it's like, In absence of any social bonds, right, the factory in your town has long been closed. Any sort of sense of community that might have once been felt is quickly melting away um, towards pure consumerism. In that framework, what can anybody really do but just embrace rugged individualism and try and be as cool as possible by themselves and sort of generate like a an authenticity field that they carry with them everywhere. Because the Gen X psychology is always seeking the authentic, the highest honor is to carry that authenticity in yourself, to be cool, to be sort of a, a rebel. Now, is this a broad generalization? Of course. Is this based on any research or empirical evidence or anything like that? Of course not. Who do you think I am? But these sort of patterns and motifs and archetypes, I've seen pop up again and again in people of these different generations that I've described. And I think you probably, you probably can relate to what I'm talking about. Like you can feel it, like it's it's true. This is how things are in like a very broad sense. And because each generation was brought up under unique circumstances and has like a wildly separate worldviews from each other because of this, they'll naturally view the others as stupid or insane for thinking any other way. When in reality, everybody's just working off a brain that's like been imprinted in a different era. Anyway, that's it. That's it for this week. Um, yeah, my school semester ends soon. So expect the content volume to increase.